It may seem a little bit cliche to state that much ink has been spilled in an attempt to explain the very difficult story of Moshe Rabbeinu hitting the rock at May Mariva to try to understand the nature of Moshe's sin. So I don't need to go there, especially since I just went there now. But what will I add to that very complicated and complex story? Just a couple of ha'aros, one or two observations, both of which relate to the theme and the often overlooked detail in the story, and that is the generational gap. One idea that I've heard a number of times from a number of different people, most recently I heard it in Rabbi Rosner's Parshashir, quoted in the name of Hanan Parat in his Sefer, Ma'at Min Ha'or. He just points out that there's this major generational gap, 38 years between this story and the previous stories that were recorded in the Torah. There was 38 years of wandering from the Chet HaMaraglim in Parsha Shlach. And the story of Memoriva once again finds us after, at the end of those years. And the first point that we have to recognize is that Moshe Rabbeinu's mistake might have been one that was committed due to his lack of internalization on Moshe Rabbeinu's level of this generational gap. That Moshe Rabbeinu, although in one point in history, in Parshas B'Shalach, it was appropriate to hit the rock, at this particular time, it was not appropriate to hit the rock. And although that treatment, that sort of education was appropriate then, right now, which it just wasn't. For this audience, this was not appropriate. This was a younger generation. These were the children of everybody who had left Mitzrayim. These were not people that had left Mitzrayim on their own. People who did not see the miracles that took place, the supernatural bending of nature, and Hashem's strong hand smiting Egypt. This was a people that could not take the intense uh, and uh, and harsh words of Shimunaham Orim, listen now, O rebels, followed by the, the, the striking of the rock. This was not something that they needed. They needed something more soft. They needed something a little bit more towards their hearts. This is something they could not handle. So Moshe Rabbeinu, as an educator, as a leader, the greatest in history, we have to learn from this particular nakuda, this mistake, this misstep in connection to the generational gap. But I want to actually turn our attention away from Moshe Rabbeinu and actually look at the audience themselves. Look at the Bnei Israel at the time. These people who we just mentioned were who? The children of those who left Egypt. What do they say at the beginning of May Mariva? So the Pasuk tells us that there wasn't any water. Vayarev ha'amim Moshe, that the nation, the people, start to argue with Moshe. Vayomru lemor, and they say, Velugavanu achenu lifnei Hashem. And if only we had expired with our brothers when they expired before Hashem. And Rashi and Mephorshim points out they're, they're referring to the people who just passed away over the 38 years. In other words, they said, these are our brothers. Now we have to realize they were actually talking about the generation above them. They were talking about their fathers, their uncles, and so on and so forth. But put that on the side for now. They refer to them as our brothers. And what do they say after? Why have you brought the congregation of Hashem to this desert, to die there? Us and our animals. Why would you bring us up from Egypt? To bring us to this really evil, terrible place. It's not a place of planting. And of figs, grapes, and pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. 
what do these people sound like? To me, they sound like their parents. Right? We find later in the Parsha, when we have the scene of the fiery, venomous serpents that attacked the Bnei Yisrael, they were complaining about the Mun in a very similar complaint. Not so different from the complaint that their fathers made against the Mun. And these are people, these are children of the people who left Mitzrayim. Right? And, and which might mean that they also left Mitzrayim, but when they left Mitzrayim, all of these people were well under age 20. We are talking about teenagers, we are talking about children, babies at the time of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And what are they doing right now? They're repeating the same exact talking points of their parents. A lot of what they're saying is not even based on experiences that they had themselves, that they had the maturity to appreciate themselves. These are things that they are saying based on what they've heard from their own parents. So yes, this was a very different audience, a younger audience, and and people who perhaps could not appreciate Moshe Rabbeinu's words the same way that maybe the earlier generation might have. But you know what this generation was completely capable of doing? They were completely capable of echoing all the same garbage from their parents. They were completely capable of repeating all of the complaints that they heard their parents say. And now they're just saying it again. When the going gets tough, when they are passionate about something, when they're frustrated, so what do they resort to? What do they default to? The same complaints of their parents. And this is really telling and this is really frightening at the same time. I remember I once had an experience where I had just walked out of a shear of a Rebbe that I very much respect and I try to respect most Rabbanim but of course there was someone who could not be older than age 18, maybe 19. And walking out of that shear, I overheard him say, wow, that rabbi just loves to hear his own voice. And I was like, I was just shocked. I was taken aback and I even, uh, I even um, went up to him and I started talking to him about it. And I, and I, and I, in pretty harsh terms, I was explaining that he has no idea what he's talking about that this Rav, um, is, is, you know, he, he doesn't just like to hear his own voice. Like, it was, like, it was just, it was really like, it was, it was striking to me. And I remember I went to speak to another Rebbe of mine about it because I was so bothered. And the Rebbe pointed out that I should be bothered and, the, you know, it was good that I was bothered. And, of course, I know that what, what, this, that what this kid said wasn't true. But where was it coming from? So this Rebbe told me, you know what, this kid probably heard his own parents saying that about some rabbi, maybe at their own shul. Oh yeah, that rabbi just loves to hear his own voice. That rabbi doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, like, when will that rabbi figure it out? He heard his own parents say it, and yeah, and then he repeated it, because it sounded good. It sounded good to him when his parents said it, so it sounds good when he says it. But that's just how it works. The things that we are passionate about, whatever it may be, if it's about sports, politics, if it's about Torah, that's going to translate, that's going to transfer to the next generation. And what are they going to default to? They're going to default to whatever they hear us talking about. They're going to default to whatever they hear us get passionate about. They're going to default to all the things that we do. If, if someone um, utters an inappropriate word or an inappropriate sentiment, it's going to come somewhere from what they are used to, 
And in all cases, if it's coming from their parents, we should not be surprised to hear the children say it as well. And that is perhaps one of the most frightening things about May Mariva, is what we, what we hear from the audience themselves, from the B'nai Israel at the time, children of those who had complained in a previous generation. We should be zocha to send the right messages to our children. We should be zocha to only sound the messages that we want to hear echoed in our children. And we should be people who act in a way that we produce the right results in our children so that we can only get nachas from them. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you for joining us here at the database.